Today, I have the great pleasure to welcome Patrick Brigand. He's the co-founder and chairman of Get Abstract. They have thousands of summaries of business books, so you can learn a lot of content within a very short time. Patrick, you have a PhD in computer science from APFL, the Polytechnic University of Lausanne in Switzerland, and you're also a pilot in your spare time. I started in the States, but now I have the chance that I can fly in beautiful Switzerland. The latest adventure is on an electric airplane, which I enjoy a lot. So you have a small airplane. I don't have one because it doesn't make sense, especially I think I'm trying to get away from owning stuff. There's actually no space for any luggage and you can't be more than 100 kilo, I think. Otherwise, it won't take off. <laughs> Last time we met was... Years ago, back in Lucerne, and you told me about your great company. I was using your products when I was working for a big financial company in Zurich. I love them because they would help me understand all the latest concepts in a few minutes. I hope you're still using it, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I have to renew my membership, actually. Okay, I'll give you one uh, complimentary subscription after that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Patrick. I would like to propose a structure for today. As you, this show is about the future of training mm -hmm. in different topics in sales and in insurance and other industries. Mm -hmm. So in the first part, I would like to understand how you develop your business. How do you got the idea and how did you create a platform business? Mm -hmm. In the second part, I'd like to see learning. How do you learn? How do you train your team and how do clients learn with your products? Mm -hmm. And in the third part, I'd like to pick your brains on the future. I hope you prepared your crystal ball mm -hmm. and that you can tell us what kind of impact will the new technologies have on your business, on learning our role and on our societies. That's a big scope for today. I'm very happy you didn't send me any questions, so I'm utterly not prepared and it will be very authentic. <laughs> so let's jump in directly. For the first part, it's about how you developed your business. It's amazing what you've reached. Uh, tell us about Get Abstract. What is it? What do you actually do? Yeah, Get Abstract is a very simple product. We look for the best knowledge. We rate it according to different criteria. Is it applicable? Is it new content? Is it innovative? And then we summarize it into a short summary that you can actually read in 15 minutes. So that's the basic product. That's how we started. And we had many ideas. We were three friends and we were looking for business models to do. And we tried probably 10 different things in uh, selling uh, secondhand cars, analyzing ejection fraction of the heart, looking at high-end paper, stationery to sell, totally different stuff. And GetAppSec was really a need that we had ourselves because we were in business. As you mentioned, I'm coming from a, a technical school, so I'm probably a, a very good client of our own product because I have no idea about business. I didn't study that. So it's interesting for me to read our own product. That's how we started. And we were surprised it didn't exist. You mean that there's no other company in the world doing summaries of business books? And no. When we started, there was another company, summary.com, so they have the great URL They started 20 years before us, but they only sent out hard copies of summaries. They only worked with a few publishers. And our vision was always, we should find all the good knowledge and summarize everything that's good. So the entire Library of Congress, well, at that time it had 25 million titles, now probably a lot more. 
we have now 25,000. We really failed miserably in that task, but we focused on business books because there's a market for business literature. We can say that you had a little bit of ambition to start with. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's the difference to Sun. They summarized only 36 titles and sent it in paper. We said we should summarize everything that's good, all the good stuff, and send it out, obviously, electronically and work with a lot more publishers because otherwise you limit yourself to a pre-selected amount of content and you cannot have the ambition to really try to find everything that's good and that should be read by the people. So your business is a platform business. Yeah, it's an interesting business model. If you look at scalability and business model, if you're a carpenter and you sell tables, you build a table, you sell the tables, gone. You have to build a new table. And not to say that you cannot be successful. Let's look at Ikea, for instance, which is very successful in building tables and selling them very efficiently. The next step in scalability is if you have an electronic product. And that's how Microsoft started. You buy the disk and you can just print a new one. It doesn't cost you much. When I was a student, we would buy one Microsoft Word and you split the cost between 10 people and you pass around the disk. That's why Microsoft now is one of the most valuable companies. Obviously, you don't distribute disks, but you make a subscription model. You say, hey, you have to buy your subscription. You have a certain limitation on how many times you can log in. And that's where we are. We have a subscription business. We say you have access to the entire content. And it's a little bit like a newspaper. So that's also about how much it costs and you have access to everything. And the next ultimate step for me, if we talk about business models, is, for instance, what Salesforce is doing when you have a platform where the clients are actually generating the content. And once you're in there, you've spent so much time, so much work and effort, you're never, ever going to leave it again. So that's those business models probably are the most valuable in the world today. So uh, the, the platform business model that you mentioned, that's something you had from the very beginning of early on in the project you said, this is where we want to go? Yes, we had that from the very beginning. So in 1999, we said we want to be a purely electronic product, purely internet product, and it has to be a subscription. We're adding a lot of new content also, so it makes sense because the next year, as time goes on, you have, again, new things that come in automatically and knowledge, etc. Yes, we always had this idea and we always pursued the same path in our business. You've been at it for the past 23 years, summarizing books one after the next for 23 years. Yeah. It's not boring after a while. No, I mean, that's why I probably have to leave the interview in 10 minutes because I got to go read a book and summarize it by the end of the day. <laughs> um Actually, if I had to summarize a book, I would take a month and it would come out really bad and you wouldn't want to read it. I think our editorial people, the guys who do this, first of all, they're brilliant. They really know how to write. I think they have probably the most interesting job you can possibly imagine because they get to read so much stuff. They basically learn every day doing their work. I'll certainly send my resume to you. If you ask an editor, no, I don't think they ever get bored. They love what they do and they do it really well. So you build this business. And what I was asking you, if we could have an interview together, I told you it was about the future. It was about learning, but it was also about how you build a business and how you sell. And you said, no, Philip, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not the right person to talk to you. 
Mm-hmm. Is this true? I, yeah, I'm not a salesperson, but obviously I know what was difficult for us when we started the business. And maybe, I don't know if I would do this again. So we had a product where we had to create the market first. There was no market for summaries. You can go to Credit Suisse, to Microsoft, to Ernst & Young, and you can say, oh, we have summaries of books and it helps you for leadership development, for employee development, personal development. And they'll say, yeah. Nice, but we are successful and they are. Why would we need this product? Because we are already successful. If, if you sell a firewall, people need a firewall. You just have to explain why yours is better or cheaper or more efficient. So that was very difficult at the beginning to, to have to explain to a client why they need your product. And that's a challenge. It's easier to sell a product that already exists. First, building a whole market, respect for that, because uh, we all know that it's very difficult to be the first, the first one. I don't really believe too much in a first mover advantage, So, because you have to do all the work for building the market. How did a meeting with potential clients look like at the beginning? Would they say, oh, great products, or no, why should we even talk to you? No, the meetings are still pretty much the same. Once the difficult thing is, and that's probably the same in many sales cycles, is to find the right person who has the interest and also the decision power and the budget to buy a product. But these people exist. And so once you find them, I don't think I've ever met anybody who says, this is bad stuff that you're doing. Once we have the right person, it becomes a lot easier because we can demonstrate, we can show them the value it has. And now that we have a lot more clients, once clients buy our product, we have an excellent renewal rate. It's more than 90%. That's very impressive, actually. 90%. Yeah, that's Congratulations. Always very yeah. important when you have a subscription business. So but once the client has the product, then they, real, they see the value. And compared to many other learning tools that you can buy or courses, we're probably also quite economical on the budget side. Now that you have the success, that's great. But how did you get your first clients? How did that happen? Your very first client that was a bit substantial. The very first client was Swissair in 2000. It was a personal collection. So it always starts very often with personal connections. And it was the very first client also who we lost because they went bankrupt, Swissair, in 2000. <laughs> yeah, really very sad. We only had them for a year. <laughs> What did you talk to you said at the beginning? We talked to the HR manager, HR leader. HR. So these are the people you normally talk to, our HR managers, training managers. This is the person you want to talk to. The development managers, yes, HR people, librarians, sometimes also, for instance, in Microsoft, it's the library and Boeing as well. Was it easy to become the number one in your field? Because that's what you become, right? You're the number one in the world. For book summaries. At the beginning, we were the only one. So it was pretty easy to be the number one if you're the only one doing book summaries. <laughs> in the meantime, we do have probably every week we have in the B2C space. So sales to individual clients, a competitor that pops up. Very often they start by copying our summaries, <laughs> just writing it down. And very often they don't have the rights. So for us, it's very important. We want to promote our content. We want to promote the books. We think it's all good stuff. So we're not summarizing anything that's not good. Why should you have a summary of something? We don't think you should read it. So it's only good stuff. And and we work with publishers and we ask them for permission. Once you have 
on the B2C side as competition, it helps you to develop the market. So it's a good thing to do. If there were no competition, obviously, probably there wouldn't be a market. That's a fair assessment. Did you have any external investors? Yes, we had external investors. We had a business angel at the beginning. We had two or three venture capitalists at the beginning, yes. They put a lot of pressure. That would be a whole other topic. Have some strings attached, obviously, to the contracts. Some strings, certainly, we wouldn't accept anymore today. And you have to grow very fast because an investor wants to get out within maybe three years. Either you would do a trade sale or you have an IPO. We did grow in terms of hiring people very aggressively, opening up an office in New York, John Street, which was close to the Twin Towers. So very expensive place. We had an office in China. We had an office in Germany and the costs would explode. And it was too early at that point to grow that quickly. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So it was a tough time for us. We had to rescale back and grow organically. And that's our approach. We've been profitable then since 2003. We're always reinvesting what we're making into developing new products, hiring new people, and improving the service for our clients. Getting investors is a big challenge. How did you manage that first step of getting investors? The very, very first investor was like a fireplace talk where a few young People with ideas were invited and you could present your idea. The business angel investor whom we had liked our idea. Yeah, Maybe you have to be lucky also a little bit. It was in 1999, so it was still at the top of the internet bubble, which oh, allowed yeah. you to get a good valuation on your ideas. But would you go that path again with investors? Back in 1999, you would try to do it by yourself? I think we're very grateful to our investors. We had a very good relationship. We still have a good relationship. All the initial investors, we bought all of their shares back. So they made some money. They maybe didn't make you know, that much that if you invested in, I don't know, Skype or WhatsApp. But we have a very good relationship with them still. I think they helped us a lot. Yeah, it's good to have, obviously, money to grow. You still have to do the work yourself. My lesson is there is no smart money. This is money. But that's useful. So you can be thankful for it when you get it and spend it wisely and carefully. But at the end, you have to be the driving force if you have a business idea and you have to develop the product and you have to sell the product. So it's difficult to expect too much help from the outside. But I think, yes, for us, it worked out well. For our investors, it worked out well. So I probably would go the same way again, yeah. Just back on the smart money, and normally they refer to that as um, investors who also bring a certain knowledge. That's why they're smart money. Mm-hmm. And you say you don't really believe in that smart money. You mean they didn't bring the knowledge? Yeah, I think, as I said, we were developing a new product in a new market. It was very difficult. It was not like an established process where you could say, this is how you have to do it. Bang, it works. We had to figure out what's the best sales process. We had to figure out that we need a model where we have customer support staff. We have field sales reps out there. They have to work together. So you have to figure this out by yourself in many cases. Obviously, it can be that investors can help you. And then that's great. Take the help. But if your business model and the success of your company relies only or mainly that you, with the help you can be successful, then I would be very careful. You have to be confident enough that you can grow your business with what you know yourself. 
and anything else is on top and it makes you grow even faster. So that's great. And you take it gladly. That's a very important advice for many of us here, entrepreneurs and startupers. Back to your product. I have just a personal question. Uh, I've read on your website that you can use Kindle with your products, but I have a Kobo. Can I use your products on my Kobo? Sure. No problem. There's a version you can download on the Kobo. This is perfect. I love starting my day reading books while having my coffee. I'm looking forward to that. All right, time is moving. So I'd like to jump into the second part here, more on the learning and training. What do you learn these days? Or do you learn anything anymore? Oh, there was an interview yesterday with Alcaraz, who's playing at the Swiss Indoors, a tennis player from Spain, a really awesome guy, he just became number one at the US Open, 19. So he's very young, but he's the number one and he's playing incredible tennis. So they asked him, where can you still improve? And he said, I can improve everywhere. So I'm a little bit older than 19, but if you ask me the same question, I can improve everywhere. And I feel like the older you get, the more you feel like, wow, there's so much that you still don't know that you can do better. And at the beginning, you're probably more in a vertical. You're a sales guy, you're a developer, you're an editorial person, you're a marketing guy, and you improve there. And as you get older, you have different responsibilities. It becomes maybe a little bit more horizontal. You need to know less about more. And, but that's an interesting journey in the life of everyone. And, but you have to be curious and yeah, you can learn so much all the time. For me, I guess it has shifted a lot more now to soft skills and emotional skills and empathy and these types of things. I have the feeling that you already have a lot of empathy. <laughs> Thanks. But is that something you're learning? What are you learning? What are you reading? Which podcast are you listening to these days, if any? Or what is the latest book you've read? I'm not doing that many podcasts. I'm more the reading guy, I have to say. In the evening when I go to bed, I love to read fiction books. So I'm reading an interesting one, but I read one by Jeffrey Archer, just finished. And this one is sometimes I always forget the titles. It's about Welcome a, to the club. So a fiction title. In terms of business books, we just had the book fair in Frankfurt where we had the book awards that we gave out. One of my favorite titles, it's a little bit older already, but I always like to read is Mindset. A really interesting book that tells you it's that's a lot about learning how you should promote or help others, for instance, your kids to learn. But there's a great example if you praise people for their achievements. Let's say you have a kid that they play soccer and you say, Wow, Joe, you scored the goal, you were the best guy, I'm so proud of you. It's very difficult for the child to repeat that. How can you again be the best scorers? But if you tell them, I'm so proud on your efforts, how you ran full power and how you tried your best. That's something the person can repeat, even if they were not the best, they tried their best. So with that mindset change, that's what Microsoft did a couple of years ago. And maybe it's not the only reason, but the stock price went up quite a lot. I like what you're saying about the mindset. How do you train your team? They have to have a common way of writing these summaries. How do you do that? Aha, uh -huh, the summary writing. Yeah, that's a process we train them. There's a, a, a storybook with rules, how we like to have summaries written, um, how you phrase the sentences, how long you make them, how short you make them, what type of tone you have. And that's training. 
where you have people go through the training and at, at the end they get like a check mark, yes. How long does this training take place? How long does it take to onboard a new summarizer? Uh-huh. It, it takes a few weeks until they can do that. But you have to keep in mind, these are people who know how to write. <laughs> They're journalists who are really good. And I've been once next to somebody who was summarizing a public presentation. And I was just taking my notes. And if you had asked me at the end, what did they say? Then I would look through my notes and more or less would have been able to tell you. While he had a two-page written, finished, perfect language. So these people are really good. And if you have... People like this, yeah, they quickly learn uh, how to do this business. This is very impressive. How could we bring that learning to the next level? For example, in your company, is there something you can improve? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. We started, as I said, with summarizing books, because in 1999, where was the knowledge? It was in books. That's where you would find it. And since then, a lot has changed because the internet wasn't really very big at that time. But now you find a lot of good knowledge on the internet, in, in articles, in the blogs, in podcasts, in videos. There's a lot of good content there. It's not only in books. So for us, finding the good content has become more difficult and also a much more important part in the service offering to our clients. Because for them as well, if you look for the earth is flat, All the search results you get tell you the earth is flat. That's one of the big dangers I see for society, maybe we come to that later, is that it's so much easier to generate extreme opinions, as we know, and to change the mindset of people into directions that are plain wrong, that are just not correct. So for us, that part, finding the right knowledge has become much more important. And we do not only books, we do a lot of other stuff. The second thing that we're changing And we are actually launching tomorrow a new product that we call Actionables. For our clients, it's very important to put the knowledge into action. You want to know something better, but you also want to do better. So it's our slogan is know better, do better. And the Actionables address topics, business topics, such as upscaling, reskilling of employees or storytelling in business, which can be useful for many people probably, or how do I manage remote teams efficiently? So these are topics that are relevant uh, today. And we take a couple of summaries, not just one, and make a little micro course out of it. We call it actionable. So it has an intro, which we actually start with a one minute meditation. So you get into the right mindset. Then maybe it has a presentation from the author then it has text, then it has feedback questions, then maybe you have to give your own reflections and type in a blank text to see whether you understood topic. So that's the next step. We're launching it tomorrow, these actionables that really help to tell you on certain topics, the right action. And if it's not enough, then you go read the summaries if you need to know more. And if that's not enough, then you go read the entire full content. I much like this concept. So these actionables are a bundle of different summaries with questions that you really can use as a learning tool. Yes, and it's short. It's 15, 20 minutes. That's what we think it's important. That's what where we focus on, that you don't have to spend two hours, but it's very short. You go through it and you can really apply something at the end of that time that you have spent. 
That's really micro-learning, basically. Micro-learning modules, in a way. It's micro-learning modules. I like this very much. And at the end, obviously, a company can say, here is a course, an actionable, whatever. You have to do it in order to, to be onboarded. But what it leads to is that people do self-directed learning. They find out, what do I really need in order to be better, to succeed personally, professionally, and find the right content? And I believe it should be short. If it's too long, it gets boring and you just don't have the attention span. You've developed probably partnerships in this in topic. So how do you go about having partners working with your company? Our most important partners are obviously the publisher. We just saw them at the Frankfurt Book Fair and we work very closely with them. We help them sell books. That's what we want, books or other ideas. We believe, we say you can summarize anything as long as you don't pretend that you re- represent the entire content. It's a summary. It gives you the main ideas. And it's always good stuff that we summarize. So we always think if you find the right content, maybe, yeah, after the reading a couple of summaries helps you select the right content, you should really go read the whole book. So these are the partners we work mostly with. Then obviously we work with a lot of integration partners, platforms, Degree, Cornerstone, LinkedIn Learning, Open Sesame, all these platforms. That's to put your content, make it available on their platform. Making it available on the platform. And we want to make it also super simple for our clients that they don't, you don't have to enter passwords twice and things like this. So these are important partners. Yeah. So back to the partnerships with a book a publisher. You said you help them. Can you... Show it to them? Can you say, look, we saw these summaries and they put the books? How do you proceed there? Yes, absolutely. We, we do a lot of book recommendations. When you s- sign up for Get Abstract, you have access to the whole library. Plus, once a week, we send you a summary that's tailored to your specific interests. So every week, it's, it's recommendation of a book or an article that we think fits your profile. Now, if you're not going to buy every week the book, obviously, and if you have... Tim Collins and bestsellers that sell a million times, then they don't need that much help, extra help probably. But most publishers and most authors and many good ones as well are not the ones who sell millions of copies. They sell maybe thousands of copies. And if we help them sell a couple hundred more, then it makes a difference or or even more. So it's, so um, they can really notice when you send out this and, uh, campaign and, or the exactly. Message. So they can see on their sales exactly when we send it out, or we do. It's, we have a, we have partners also with newspapers or publications where we do bestsellers. They can really see a spike in sales of the books at that time. And very often, it's also in the long tail. You launch a book, sales go up, and then. Gradually, they go down again after six months. It's old. And at that point, we can always help publishers again to have, a, again, a spike in selling the books when we promote them after a certain amount of time again. You have a very interesting business case there. I, I, I like this very much, Patrick. That's, yes. So I'd like to check your views on how technology will impact your business your platform, but also a site. So as I said, do you have your crystal ball ready? <laughs> okay, let me find it. Oh, <laughs> that one. look. There. 
Crystal ball. Awesome. So we're what? perfect. All right, keep it. <laughs> well, so I... what does the crystal ball say about the first topic? Look, you have great people. You said, wow, I have an amazing team of people to come back to these surveys. No doubt, I know I've seen your products. But look, now we have AI, artificial intelligence, and they do marvel. Have you seen anything? What is your take on artificial intelligence and how it can already summarize books? I'm a tech guy. I studied that, so I love it. And I think... I'm so excited to be able to live through these times now. We, I grew up where there was no internet and I can see now it's a revolution. And I'm very excited that AI can help us take away jobs that it was like during the industrial revolution. The machines were helping people to get away from jobs that were dangerous, that were not good for your health. And The same is going to happen again. Maybe jobs are not dangerous anymore, but maybe they are repetitive. Maybe they are, at the end, not even interesting. And AI can help us there to do a lot of stuff. And through that, open up new possibilities and new opportunities. Patrick, on that one, I see your point. They were taking blue, dangerous blue-collar jobs at that time. But now AI is able to take white-collar jobs. It can summarize text. So it can be a challenge to basically people writing books or summarizing it. How do you see it? Is it frightening or is it a huge opportunity? I, I think it's a huge opportunity. And as every opportunity, it has pros and it has cons. But I think if we as humanity make the best out of it, this can work. You mentioned at the beginning, I like flying. Hey, I'd love to go do some more of it. If there's a machine who can do what I do just as well, And I can spend my time on the lake or in the air or biking. Okay, then that's, I don't have a problem with it. There are obviously other questions. How do you as a person get recognition? How do you get feeling of positive feedback that makes you feel like, what's the sense? What's the purpose of my life? So you have to answer those questions. But it could be that there's a machine and the machine You pay a tax for the machine. The company pays a tax and people get basic income without doing anything. But that's a complete change of a society there that you're speaking But about. But these are opportunities. I don't know what the solution is. As I said, I think the challenges are if we all only do our hobbies, do we still feel fulfilled as human beings? Or Do we have to work or is the work just something we've learned that we believe every day we have to get up at eight and work until six and then we feel like we did something? There is a little, lots of room for change. And you, But you're very optimistic about that. That's a bit too long-term view, I would say, like in 15 or 20 years where we have a, a different society where you have basic income for all again. But on short term, you have maybe the guys doing summaries for books and they say, hey, AI is going to take my job. How would you answer to that? Well, as I told you at the beginning, the, the person who made the summaries, they only had to write the summaries. It was easy to find the right contact because you get the list of books from the publishers and that was it. Today, finding the right content is much more difficult because you can publish anything on the internet. Nobody checks it for quality, for correct or not. Fake news is a big topic. So these smart people, we say, okay, you help us. And that's what's happening in our company. They spend a lot more time just trying to find the right content. And once you have the right content, because you're a smart guy, you know the content, 
and our clients have a problem, let's curate that in the right form so it helps to solve a specific problem for the client. So you're saying that their job is basically moving from the actual summarizing job itself to more curating, finding the right content, and then maybe with AI or other tools, then proceed with the summary. Exactly. So I was just giving an example how these people won't be out of a job, but they are moving into something new. And coming back to our discussions, maybe they don't need to work eight hours anymore, but only five, but still making the same amount of income. And last but not least, we obviously we are looking at that very carefully, automatic summarization. And it's amazing already what's working and what you can do. However, we believe when you read a summary, it should be economist style of writing, really high quality. It should be a pleasure reading the word. It's like an art putting these words together. And AI is still quite far away from that, that it's a human person can generate that image, that picture of a nicely, wonderfully edited text still much, much better than a machine can do. Okay, Patrick, on that, you might have seen GPT-3, for example, and other. we've been monitoring closely, especially my colleague Patrice has been monitoring AI very closely. And I would have subscribed to what you just said, like maybe six months ago, but what I've seen in the past six months has really puzzled me. But let's share that for a moment. I see your points. Another topic I would like to talk about is the metaverse, virtual worlds. Is that something you are looking at these days? I probably should get my 20-year-old and tell you answer those questions. He's probably more into the metaverse than I am. I'm really not a specialist in that, but we're working with, with a colleague and he was analyzing all of our content. And it was an AI-driven approach that took all the content, looked at the content itself and clustered it automatically. And the cluster is in 3D space. And you can actually uh, turn it around and move through that 3D space. And, mm. and even put on the Facebook Oculus goggles. So you're yes. in there and you can move through that space. And you can see the next step. What we're trying to do now is to see what where are clients going? What Which clusters are clients more active? Where are they less active? We can compare industries. And that is super, super interesting. Also, Patrick, just permit me to understand the way you do it, you put these goggles on and you see the whole world of content you have and you can analyze visually what is the most used. Exactly. You can see maybe, hey, here we have a big production, but we don't, we have a bigger usage on another cloud. So maybe we missed something. Maybe we should try to produce more for a different topic, things like this. So it's very that's a great way. I don't know if that's metaverse, but it's an application where we can use technology to help us in the curation process here for the editorial. That's a great example on how to use 3D technology to mm-hmm. visualize yeah. Uh, nice. content. Oh, okay. so one of my last question now, because we're nearing the end of our interview, blockchain. Okay. Does that have any place in your company? We have a channel blockchain, which is highly visited. People are very interested in learning more about blockchain. I think blockchain, 3D printing, the CRISPR technology, and AI, these are probably four of the technologies that will shape our future 
tremendously in a very significant way. And um, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah totally. In terms of blockchain, oh, I can't wait to see great applications, not monetary or cryptocurrencies, but other stuff where you can, I think you can do great stuff, decentralized things that are not controlled by a single entity where you can have confidence that your data is not being altered. The promise is very high. There's many applications there. Also for developing countries, I think can be super interesting. Yeah, great. And in the next few days, I will be in Lugano, in the, the Italian part of Switzerland, a Bitcoin slash blockchain gathering, a big one. And you oh, can pay okay. actually your pizzas with Bitcoin over there now in Ticino. So in Lugano especially. So it's quite exciting to see. We're nearing the end now. When I was checking your profile, I saw learn, grow, fail, support, and be thankful every day. So how are you thankful every day? Yeah, so the fail, maybe to come back to that, where we've failed or I failed also as a company, we developed tons of products that at the end we didn't need. It didn't work out. So we had to try something else again, something new. And that's where you have to try again. And then you can be, once you have something that works, then obviously be thankful for it. I'm on a personal level. I'm very sad to see what's happening on a geopolitical space. Very sad. So much stuff, physical things and especially also lives that are being destroyed for nothing. Who is going to profit from any of that? Nobody, really nobody. And so I look outside now, just behind the camera, I have a window. It's beautiful sunshine. It's blue sky. I live in a beautiful country. I know many people. So if I look at people now that have to be in war, doesn't matter which side, they're all poor guys. So I'm just really thankful just for that from a personal level. I have a company that's going where we have opportunities, where we have possibilities to go. And I think that's just wonderful. So I'm very happy about this. I'm very thankful. It's not for granted. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And I yeah, stand by you. In these thoughts, it's a, it's a crazy world we have, and we didn't need these things. Mm -hmm. But one last thing: where do you see yourself or the company in ten years from now? Are you going to spread around the world even more, or what? Say, what's your big desire there? We want to do still what we do. We would like to provide the best knowledge to people because we really believe if you can take decisions on good knowledge, it's just helpful. We have to really be careful that we don't make decisions on wrong information, on fake news. If you truly believe something is like this and then you take a decision, but that what you believed is plain wrong, then the decisions will be wrong and can be dangerous for us as a humanity. That's our mission, which doesn't change, has never changed and will not change. We want to make sure that you have the best content to take good decisions. And what we are starting now, we want to make sure you can apply it directly, quickly in your everyday life. And I see that's where we are going. And so you're going to be developing to expanding to other countries or what's your vision for your company in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, we, in terms of market, we're still focusing on where we are working in, which is already a big part of the world. It's all it's North America, it's South America, it's all of Europe, it's England, it's the Benelux countries. I can tell you 
maybe yes, maybe that in the markets we also grow more. We haven't done so much in Asia or Middle East countries. Could be, maybe, if the time is right, the opportunities are there, we can do that. So you take it as it comes, basically. You have a successful business and it de develops and it's not that you say, I want this absolutely to happen, but you're open to, to organically develop. Yeah, we want to organically Right now, we really focus on where we are because there's so, still very much to grow. So here, it's a conscious decision. We don't want to do too much and get diversified too much, and then you lose your focus. So in terms of our markets, we have very clear focus and we stick to them. And it's already big, these are already big markets that we're talking. But we want to focus now more, much more on developing new products like the actionables. That's a great last word for our interview. We spoke about being thankful, Patrick. I'm thankful to you for taking the time to have a nice discussion together. I found it very interesting. I learned a lot about your industry, your type of business. And thank you very much for this great moment together. Okay. Likewise, thank you for the invitation. Have a good day. Enjoy the lake and the mountains close to Luzern. <laughs> thank you, Philip. Danke. Ciao. Cool. 